your prayers as uh, Estes and Pauline's daughter Regina passed away, and I know they'd appreciate your prayers and uh, and and so forth. So uh, Ephesians chapter six is where we'll be, and we've been looking at uh, over the past few words. Paul's been challenging us about being imitators of Christ, and specifically since verse 18 of chapter 5, he's been talking about, hey, we need to be filled with the Spirit. And, and we've been looking at how, how being filled with the Spirit, all the areas of our lives that that would affect, and we saw that it would affect our worship life. And hey, how many of you are thankful? Well, listen, we should be shouting, we should be singing, amen? And we're to sing hymns, and, and the Bible tells us we're to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and, and all those things should be part of it. And that means you ought to put it out loud. Hey, it doesn't matter if can't sing, <laughs> or if you can, let it, let it go on and, and sing it out to the Lord. And then last week we talked about how it will affect our wedded life, and we saw some of the truths uh, uh, around that, and, then, and I gave you a truth there, the success, and, and let me even say this, even the survival many times of your marriage will be based on how spirit-filled each individual is, and because and, you'll never fulfill the roles that God called us to in the marriage if you're not spirit-filled. And I'll never love, you'll never love your wife as you're supposed to. Uh, and she'll never respect you as she's supposed to. And we saw the two greatest needs last week there as we concluded that interview. But, but as we continued on, the, he really gets into next, you get to chapter 6, and, he, and Paul starts to talk about the being spirit-filled really in the family, talking about children, obeying, obeying your parents, just right in the Lord. He talks about... Uh, honoring one another, talks about hey, not provoking our children to wrath and all that stuff, and love to be able to go through all that, but don't have time. But then he gets really into our warfare, and I want to make sure we hit on this today. And I certainly don't have time to cover the the armor of God. That would probably be each one would be a whole. Y'all know the way I am. Each one would probably be three weeks each, and uh, uh, and so forth. But but there's one thing I really want to look at today, and that, that's simply this. I want you to know we're in a spiritual war. How many of you believe that? And I want you to know this warfare is real, and, and, uh, and the Word of God tells us about something about the devil. It tells us, uses the word wiles here. So let's read it together this morning. I want to take a look at that very thing, uh, uh, what I call spirit-filled and at war, and, and learning what are the wiles, or, or maybe as Paul put it in another place, what are the, the vices of the devil? Let's read Ephesians 6. We'll pick up in verse number 10 for sake of time. The Bible says this, uh, says, finally, brethren, uh, and, he, and he, he means it this time, he's about done. <laughs> finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against, look at that next word, the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take ye unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. We'll stop there just for the sake of time. Father, I pray that you now as we expand this text and we dig in just a little deeper on what I believe you mean by, by the wiles of the devil, that, Lord, you'd help us today to learn to be spirit-filled, because, Lord, we're at battle. There's a real battle, and, and we'll never be successful in that battle if we don't understand the wiles, the devices, the, the craftiness of our enemy, and that enemy Satan. And help us to understand that today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Hey, make no mistake. We're living in a spiritual battle. The day you got saved, you, everything isn't going to become a bed of roses. In fact, 
you put a target on your back. And I'm not trying to discourage you if you're not saved today. Hey, go ahead and trust him anyway. Because, hey, greater is he that, that lives in us than, than he, uh, 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 greater he that's for us than he that, that's against us. And so, thank God we're in a real battle, but we have a real victor, victory through Jesus Christ. But here's what we need to do. We need to arm up. We need to wise up, that's what I'm going to talk about today, and be ready to stand against the ruler of darkness, as the Bible called it here, and against spiritual wickedness. Now look with me at what he says there. He says, put on the whole armor of God, in verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles is an interesting word. It comes from a, a word uh, that is kind of methodia. Now, it doesn't take a Bible scholar to figure out what's the Greek word methodia mean. Methods, right? And it's exactly where we get the word methods from. And so, so the idea there, the word wiles is, is the methods, it's the deceit, it's the trickery, it's the, literally the schemes of Satan and how he, how he comes at it. It carries the idea of really being, uh, of his craftiness. Do y'all know he's crafty? He's pretty subtle too. He's cunning, he's deceptive. Uh, oftentimes that word methodology was used of a wild animal. Y'all ever watched the wild? How many of you watch those uh, shows on TV? Those those wild animal, the, you know, the wild kingdom shows. You ever watched the lion? So many times, I mean, he he's down like this. My dog thinks he's gonna sneak up on me like that. I can smell him coming a mile away. Amen. <laughs> but he, he, he crunches down low, can't see him. Unexpectedly, just when you don't, boom, launches on you, grabs hold of you. That's the way the word was used. That's exactly what Satan does. He wants to lure you to sleep. He wants to think, as we'll see in a minute, he doesn't even exist. He wants, he wants just, just to deceive you, to cunningly use his devices, just to put you almost to sleep, and when you least expect it, he's going to pounce on you. And his desire is to destroy your life. Thank God, if you know Christ, he can't have your soul. Amen. But he can impact our lives. And, and so Paul speaks of the same thing over in 2 Corinthians. Not just the wiles here, but there he called it the devices. He said in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, I think I gave it to you, but said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. That word devices there comes from the word, literally means that mental perception, the thought, the, the evil purpose. And, uh, uh, and so if Satan can get us, if he can have a mental perception of himself in our lives, of him that's not true, of him that's deceiving, of him that, that, listen, uh, that, that gives us a false perception of him, then he can get advantage of us. That word advantage literally means to have more of a greater part of, to overtake. And so that's what Satan's looking to do. Listen, that's his game plan. It always has been. He wants to get advantage of us by, by making misleading us about how he works. And he uses his wiles and his devices to do that very thing. And so that's why Paul said we better not be ignorant of it. We need to be aware of it. And uh, that's why we better put on the whole armor of God, he said. And so we can stand against the wiles of the devil. So here's the question this morning. What are some of those wiles? What are some of those devices that we need not to be ignorant of, that we need to be aware of and ready to ready for. And so let's look at just a couple today, and, uh, and uh, we won't do the normal verse by verse as much because I've just got a couple thoughts I want to share with you. Here's number one, I believe, one of the first things he does, one of his first devices, one of the first wiles of the devil, of Satan himself, to mislead us, to try to take advantage of us, to overtake us, to get us thinking wrong about him, is simply this, he, he wants to make you think that he doesn't exist. By the way, he's done a really good job of that. He said, what do you mean by that? I think I gave it to you, but George Barham did a study, and he said, now listen, this is of Christians 
Not just Christodome, that's a big word, right? But Christians who claim to be born-again believers. That's a pretty small segment. A lot of people call themselves Christians. You say, well, are you born again? Huh? Well, I'm working my way there. No, you've got to be born again. Amen? That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. And that's why you've got to repent and believe the gospel if you're ever going to be saved. But, but listen, so it's a pretty narrow segment of people who claim to not only be Christians, but to be born again believers. And here's what he found. Only 40% of them believed Satan was real. No wonder he has such an easy time taking advantage of us. And, uh, and I want to tell you, listen, some of them believe that he's just a symbol of evil and he wasn't even real. No wonder we're taken by the wiles and devices of the devil. You'll never be able to defend yourself against an enemy you don't think exists, right? And that's why we understand. Listen, that goes for our politics too. I'm not going to get on that for very long. But you better know who your enemies are. Are you never going to defend yourself against an enemy you don't even think exists? And that, that is extra true for Satan. Hey, he's our adversary. Look to your left, look to your right. It's not those people. It's not the people in the back of the church, not the people in the front of the church, not the people who have different opinions of it. Our enemy is Satan, and you better know he's real, and he's walking about as a roaring lion, as Peter said, looking to whom he may devour, and he wants to devour you, destroy you, and the easiest way to do that, just like that prey, that, 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 that lion that sneaks up, they don't even see him coming, he wants, that's what he wants you to think, don't even exist, and the next thing he launches right on you, and you better be filled with the Spirit, or he'll get you. That's what Paul's teaching us here today. Hey, if we're not filled with the Spirit, we'll never be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Hey, it's a, it's a world war is what he's saying. World war. You know, a lot of people today think the devil's just, you know, this, this cartoon character, you know, in, in the red hat and the pitchfork and walking around. That's our picture of him and so forth. And I read about one, 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 one uh, day, the, uh, or one illustration, kind of a joke, I guess, uh, it was one time when the devil showed up at church. By the way, he shows up a lot of times. Somebody say amen there. <laughs> but the, ser the service had started normally, and suddenly, boom, he just appears in front of everybody. And everybody can see him, and everybody screamed and ran out of that church as fast as they could, and trying to get away from him. And everybody but one woman. She just sat there just as calm as she could be in her pew, wasn't worried about it one bit whatsoever. Uh, I mean, God's ultimate enemy, her ultimate enemy was sitting there in her presence, not worried a bit, and Satan gets confused, and he walks up, so do you know who I am? She looks at him, I sure do. Aren't you afraid? She said, why would I be afraid of you? I've been married to your brother for 25 years. <laughs> I like to have a good time, have a joke every once in a while, but I want to tell you, listen, too many times that's the way we look at Satan. Too many times the way we approach Satan. Like he's not real, and, and we need to be serious because I want to tell you, he's not just this, pit, this little cute cartoon character. In fact, the Bible tells us, and you know that's a good thing to go to, is the Bible to figure out what he is. And over in Ezekiel chapter 28, I think I gave you these, these for the sake of time, he describes him as full of wisdom, as perfect in beauty. He's called the, the, the anointed cherub. Paul says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen that he's even transformed into an angel of light. He said, what are you trying to say? I, I'm trying to say this. He's one of the prettiest creatures you'll ever see. We think he's the most heinous looking. You know, that it's what the movie, it's what Hollywood puts out there. Like the wickedest, most heinous. Listen, if he walked in here today and we could physically see him, every one of us, including this preacher, would be tempted to fall down and worship him. He's that beautiful. He's that cunning. 
He's that, that's his devices. I mean, I'm telling you what, one of the prettiest things, creation, uh, that God's ever created. You know that old saying, what you don't know won't hurt you? You ever heard that? I want to tell you, that's not true when it comes to Satan. What you don't know can hurt you because he looks to take advantage of us, as we saw in the Word of God, by using his wiles and his Satan and his devices. So, so where is Satan then? We kind of learned a little bit about who he was. He's a created being, right, that fell because he, he rebelled against God. He, he was full of pride, wanted to be worshipped, wanted to be as God, and, and, uh, and God cast him down, and here he is on earth. And, and we, think, we think today, well, Satan's down in hell, right? He's free. Thank God one day he's going to be cast in that lake of fire forever. Hey, that's the victory. But, but right now, I'm telling you what, he is free, he's alive. And in fact, the Bible says this, he's the prince and power of the air. In other words, he, he's kind of the, I know the Lord's the ultimate ruler, but he's here, and he, he's, he's, he's the prince of this world, the, the Word of God says. And as Paul said here in Ephesians 6.12, he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but here's the wrestling, it's against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this world. And that word principalities literally means kingdoms, power, authority is the idea. And so, so here's the idea, Satan has a kingdom, he has a world, and he's the authority in that kingdom. And, and listen, you better understand that, that he's real. Because one of his devices, one of his wiles is to get you to think otherwise. He just wants you to think he's a symbol of evil, not real. That's what a lot of people think. I want you to know he's a real person. And on authority of the Word of God, listen, he's the most beautiful, has the highest personality, the loftiest, the most powerful of all of God's angels. And he wants to deceive you. And he wants uh, to to take advantage of you in any way he can to destroy your life. That's what he came to do, to devour us. By the way, if you don't think he's real, then you can't believe Jesus. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, Jesus thought he was real. In fact, uh, Jesus said he was confronted personally by him after being in the desert for 40 days. Y'all remember that? And, And the devil came up and tried to tempt the Lord Jesus. And Paul thought he was real, right? I've already seen that over and over. 2 Corinthians 11, 4, Satan himself is transferred into angel of light. We saw it right here in our text where he said, put on the armor of God. You may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. Why would he be writing about something that isn't real? Right? He told Thessalonians this, 1 Thessalonians 2, 18, we, we would have come unto you, but Satan hindered us. Listen, he didn't just say he's real and he's, a, he, he's alive. He said he's really working. He hindered them. Paul had a desire to come to the church at Corinth there, but our church at Thessalonica, but, but he was hindered by Satan himself. He warned Timothy, his, his preacher boy in 1 Timothy 3, 7, not to fall into reproach of the, the snare of the devil. Hey, Simon Peter even said, hey, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, again, he walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I'm telling you what, the Bible makes clear over and over, we have a real enemy, he really does exist, calls him the deceiver, the murderer, the accuser of the brethren, that old serpent the Bible calls him, hey, it even calls him a dragon, he's not the personification of evil, he is evil. Amen? Uh, He's not just the symbol of it, I should say it that way, he is the personification of it. And the Bible says he's all those things, and by the way, let me give you one more that he is. He's the father of lies. Amen? He's a liar and the father of it. And he'll use his devices, he'll use his wiles to help you, to to take advantage of you, so he can destroy your life. I gave you a quote, I think, there. Dr. W.T. Connors said this, I like it. He said, if I didn't have a Bible to teach me about the existence of a personal devil, I'd still believe it. 
Because with all those little devils running around, there has to be a daddy somewhere. <laughs> Isn't that true? Here's what I want you to understand today. This is why I want to, I'm sitting on this point for a little bit. We might not even get to the other ones, but I want you to understand. Satan can take the purest person in this room and destroy you. He can take the purest girl and make her the vilest prostitute. He can do that if you're not filled with the Spirit. This all ties back to verse 18. Everybody with me? Don't miss where we're going with this. Hey, he can take the most promising young man, smartest, uh, with the greatest future in this world. He can make a drunkard out of you. He can make you, hey, you can be locked up this very week. He said, never me. Oh, better be careful. Better be careful. <laughs> hey, he can take the, the cleanest mind, fill it with filth. Anybody ever had that one? Somebody say amen there. The cleanest body and pollute it. He can take the strongest marriage, rip it apart like that. One choice, one decision. Gone, like that. I'm telling you, he wants to take your life. He wants to ruin it. And he will do that if you're ignorant of how he operates. The devices, the wiles of the devil. You better know what they are. First one is he wants to make you think he doesn't exist. Second one, simply this. I wrote this down. He wants to pervert God's word. He said, what do you mean by that? He wants you to think what we're talking, everything we're going to do today is just a farce. You can't believe the word of God. He's going to discount everything, every time. How many of you had that little, you know, I, I hate the little example. Well, I got an angel, you know, God's over here and the devil's over here. But, but it helps people kind of realize. How many of you had, I don't know about that in the Bible. Where do you think that doubt came from? It didn't come from God. It didn't come from the Holy Spirit of God. That came from Satan. And he likes to cast that little doubt into everything that God says. And in fact, if, uh, over in Genesis chapter 3, you remember uh, he comes and, and God said to Adam, if you can eat freely of any of the trees in the Garden of Eden except one tree, remember that? There's one you can't eat of, he said. And, and, uh, and you know that fruit of the tree, you know I know what he did, did with it. Whoops, I got ahead of myself, sorry. I'm on point number three there. <laughs> you know what he did first of all there? He got them to even question what God even said. Flip there with me just for a second. Well, Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at it for a second. And maybe I won't get all off topic here. Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3 both. Look quickly, and I've covered this before, but look quickly at what God really said and what Satan and how he perverted God's word. This is his method. Hey, how many have heard that, that little saying? This is his MO, right? This is his method of operation. That's what this is Satan's. This is the way he does it. He tries to pervert everything that God says. And in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16, y'all be ready to flip back and forth. But look, look what the Lord said to Adam and Eve. He said, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Everybody see that? That was a, hey, that's what he said. Look what, look what happens right in Genesis 3.1 when the serpent comes on the scene. The very first thing out of his mouth, it describes him, says, now the serpent was more subtle. There you go. There's his devices, there's his wiles right there. Than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, if God said. Already trying to get him to question God's word. That's his perversion. That's the way he works. And then, and then he wants you to change and add to God's word. Look back at Genesis 2.17. The Bible said there, But the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest of it thou shalt surely die. And, and, uh, and, and then he gets over here, you get, go back, and he said, he said you, you can eat every other one but that one. What's one pro prohibition, prohibition he gave them? Not to eat of that tree, right? 
Can't eat of it. Look what Satan does. He, he just changes it up, adds to the Word of God. Look back at Genesis 3.3. Uh-huh. He said, but, or they said, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it. Did God ever say they couldn't touch it? Changing it up, right? Quickly, he said, then he likes to remove from it, soften God's Word. He changes it, adds to it, softens it, moves from it. Again, verse 17, back in chapter 2, But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die, the Word of God says. And You notice that word, surely. It's going to happen. That's not the name, surely, either. <laughs> it's surely. That's not goodness and surely, uh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all my life. So it's not that surely. It's surely as in it's happening. You're going to surely die. It's, in the, it's, it's definitely happening, God said, if you partake of this. and Look what Satan does. He, he removes that word, th- surely. He says, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, chapter 3, verse 3, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Where'd surely go? Casting a little doubt in it. You, you see what he's doing? And then he just finally got him to, to, he finally just denied it later. He said, in the next verse in chapter 4, he said, and the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. You know, it didn't happen Hey, that's just flat denying it. And then he even said in verse 5 of chapter 3, he said, For God doth know in the day that you eat thereof, that your eyes you shall be open, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Hey, that's distorting it all the way together. Hey, you and I ain't going to be God. Amen. I don't care what the Mormons teach. Hey, hey we, are, we serve a holy and a wonderful God, and thank God for that, but we're not going to be Him. And so, so listen, the devil's method. That's what he wants to do. He wants to, first of all, make you think he doesn't exist. But if he can't do that, here's what he wants you to do. He wants to pervert God's Word so we don't believe what it says in the first place. Hey, he adds to it, takes away from it. He, he softens it, and then he just flat blasphemies it. And then, then he also wants to do this. He also wants to make sin attractive. Why are you there? Genesis 3, 6. I want you to see what happened here. The Bible says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her. By the way, Eve gets a little bit too much slack here. Guess who was with her? Guess who was right there? Guess who God actually gave this command to? Adam. Guess who pays the blunt for it? What bloodlines all tore up? The man's, right? And so... So listen, we, we, sometimes, we sometimes pick on Eve a little bit. Well, Eve, I can't believe Eve was deceived. And Adam was right there. And he willingly took two. Uh, and so, so we see here, listen, out of all the fruit, of the char- they could have eaten of any of the, the, the trees of the garden, the fruit of any of them. The fruit of that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, looked better to Adam and Eve than any other tree. Was it the most delicious fruit in the garden? Wasn't a strawberry, couldn't have been. Somebody say amen. <laughs> I don't think so. But Satan sure made it look like it was. That's what he does. He said, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this. He, he takes those three things. The Bible talks about it in the New Testament. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And he attacks us in every one of those areas. That's what happened here in verse 6. The Bible says first she saw it, right? Lust of the eyes. And then, then she desired it. Hey, lust of the flesh. And then, then she got to the point where I deserve it. And God's trying to keep this from me. Oh, why? How did she get to that place? By herself? No, because she had a devil sitting there deceiving her. 
his devices, his wiles. I want you to get that. There were plenty of other fruit trees in there that he could have eaten of, freely eaten of. That's exactly what Satan does to us. Listen to me carefully now. He makes sin look attractive. Are you with me? He makes it look attractive. He works the same way. Think about how, uh, think about how anything's presented. Any commercial that has some vice that we shouldn't partake in, right? What is it makes it look like it's the sexiest, most wonderful thing? And, uh, you know, they, they, every, every commercial you see, I mean, makes sin just look glorified. Movies do the same thing. and Billboards and all these things that add. Everything looks fun and, and hip and all those things. But, but they never show you the end of it, do they? They never show you the, you know, the, the, they, ne they never show you, they might advertise the, uh, the alcohol, but they don't show you the drunk in the gutter later. They can't feed his family because all he does is spend all his money. It never shows you what the devil does with all that sin. He just shows you how wonderful and fun it would be to be a sinner. He shows you that other, that other lady, that other man. Right? Oh, they seem nicer than my husband or my wife. Oh, they're way more attractive than my husband or my wife. And he makes them look like the most desirable person on earth. And by the way, he says, boy, you'll have fun. And he's right to an extent. Sin is pleasurable for a season, the Bible says. But listen to me, seasons come and seasons go. And at the end of the day, that little thing you thought was so great, I'm going to promise you, it, if it was from the device of the wild, the devil, and not from God, it's going to be absolutely the worst decision you ever make in your life. That happens every single time because Satan does it. He says, look at it. See, the devil shows us sin's entrance, but it never shows us the exit. It shows us the beginning. It never shows us the end. It shows us the fun, but it never shows us the finish. It, it shows us the, the recreation, or the, if you will, but it doesn't show you the results at the end. It shows you sin's pleasure, but you never see sin's pain when he's talking about it, do you? It shows you sin in the night. It doesn't show you how it looks in the morning. It shows you how it is at the first, but not how it is at the last. And then he says, just look at that bunch over there. Yeah, it goes to church every week. And, boy, they don't have any fun. How can you be a Christian? That's what Satan wants to do. Yeah, that, you, Christians have no fun. It's joyless. Can I remind you, the joy of the Lord's my strength, is what my Bible says. Can I remind you this morning, listen, I don't know about you, I'm having a pretty good time being a Christian. Amen. I'm having a pretty good time being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I have a God in heaven that loves me. How many of you are thankful for that? I got a Savior who, listen, he promised he would never leave me nor forsake me. Uh, listen, I got promises when the whole world turns their back and everybody else walks away, God will still be there. Amen. Hey, we can live in joy because of that. And Satan will try to make the Christian look life look drab, but I want to tell you what, I'm having a pretty good time. Amen. <laughs> and I'd rather, as the old song goes, I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything else I know. Amen. And so, so listen, that's what he wants to do. That's his MO every single time. He wants to make sin look attractive. And if he can get it looking attractive, hey, and, and, and then you're going to think it's the greatest thing ever, but don't ever forget, every season ends. And there will be a price to pay. Be careful. Be careful. Don't fall to his wiles. Don't fall to his devices. Let me give you another one. This is pretty important. This is, uh, this is the way he works today, many times. Even in a local assembly like this, one of the things he wants to do is divide the local church. I tell you, he hates every Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church. I didn't say he hates every church. I said he hates Bible-preaching, Bible-believing churches. 
Huh. And he's always trying to figure out a way to divide it. You can go all the way back to right after the church started on, on the day of Pentecost and, and, and saw that church, 3,000 saved on that first day and 5,000 the, the next day. And you just go right down the road. And, and Satan didn't like what was going on, so he right away just tried to start destroying the church. Folks were being saved. Souls were being saved. Lives were being blessed. And, 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 and he first tried persecution from the outside. But you know what persecution from the outside always does? Not much usually makes us grow closer and stronger. By the way, most every revival that's ever happened came from persecution on the outside. So he got smart and said, that don't work. I'm going to mess them up from the inside. I'm going to divide them from the inside out. And, and he's been doing that all throughout the Word of God, and he still does it this very day. And so the devil's plan didn't work. Then you get to Acts chapter 6. We won't go there for the sake of time, but you can hopefully you know it if you're in the Sunday school crowd, right? And uh, he, got some, he got some Grecian women there that, to start murmuring and complaining. Y'all remember that? Could have been men, but it was women in this case. I'm not picking on women today. I'm just saying he got some murmuring going. He got division. Where my needs aren't getting met, right? I'm just not getting on what I think I should get out of that place down there, right? Whatever it is, it happens all the time. We're not getting the attention we deserve. Those apostles, they they aren't looking after us like they ought. And it worked really well because I want to tell you, it almost split that church in Jerusalem. But thank God, there was some godly apostle had some sense to him and said, "Listen." They pointed on some deacons. That's where, that's where that came from. Amen. I know there's a bunch of Bible scholars like, that ain't a, ain't a deacon, whatever. Well, it ain't a deacon. It sure is a prototype. Amen. I don't care which. Hey, he pointed some servants. How about that? To, uh, to, and they did it for this very reason, so that they could spend their time instead of serving everybody's needs in prayer and in the Word. Because that was what was saving souls. Amen. The preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And said, hey, we can't get sidetracked with this. So let's put some people over that. And, and they, they set apart this, this principle of us serving each other. We'll talk about that a whole lot more here in the 11, or 1030 hour. But, uh, but, and so the, that's what the devil wants to do now. And he wants to continue to do that very thing. Get somebody to get their, 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 their underwear in a wad. Y'all know the saying and all that stuff. And, and the whole grudges, you know, get your feelings hurt and, and, and wear them on your sleeve. Tell everybody about them. Just, just make it all about you, right? Because when it's all about you, then you can just cause division. That's the work of the devil. Somebody say amen. Get you to complain and whine. I don't like this preacher. I don't like this style. I sure like that one. Listen, it don't have anything to do with that. It's about Christ. Amen? But that's his doll. That's his, that's his MO. It hasn't changed. And he'll use you then to talk too much. It's too cold, too hot. You know all the, all the stuff we go through, right? I don't like the songs on the screen. I don't like them in the book. Whatever. Oh, we're talking about preferences, preferences, preferences. Listen, that is the way he works because he wants to divide up the local church. He's been doing it since Acts chapter 6. He's still doing it today. And he'll use you if you let him. That's why you got to be aware of this. And if you're not spirit-filled, guess what? You're his biggest target. It all goes back to being filled with the Spirit. Everybody with me? Make sure you're still with me. Amen. The devil wants us to have that Burger King religion. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Have it your way, right? <laughs> and by the way, if it don't go your way, if it don't... 
if it isn't exactly how you think it should be, then just backbite, complain, split, whatever you want to do. Just, just get out of here. Make sure you cause a scene and divide up the local church. That's what they do. All those petty quarrels I want you to understand today are a work and a device and a while of the devil to divide the local church. You've got to be aware of it. You say, well, I've got to be aware of it. Number one, so you can recognize it. But number two, so you're not the one who uses And unfortunately, he's got a lot of people willing to jump on the bandwagon and participate with him. And he'll use you if you let him. Some wiles of the devil. Let me give you one more. This is the the big one here. And we'll have to quit here because i got like six minutes. He wants you to believe a false gospel. Listen, of all the other ones, you can fuss fight all you want. I'm out of here today anyway. (laughs) But out of all the other ones, listen to me carefully. This is the biggest one. This is the one that will send men, women, boys, and girls straight to hell. He can get you to believe a false gospel. He don't care that you're religious. Are you hearing me? He don't care that you come sit in church. He don't care that you're so even committed you show up at Sunday school. No, that's going to get you to heaven. He don't care how many times you've been baptized, whether it was in a baptistry at the river or sprinkled, tinkled, dunked or something. None of that's going to get you to heaven. He don't care how many churches you've been a membership of or what your dad did, your mother did, how many times you taught Sunday school, what position you have in church. None of that will get you to heaven. All he cares about is keeping you from having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the greatest tools he's ever used in his life is just religion. Make it about a bunch of rules. If I follow them, then I'm all right, right? Hogwash. Make it about just me doing a bunch of works. If I, do, if I take of the Lord's Supper, then, 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 I, then I'm saved, right? By the way, he's got a bunch of preachers preaching it too. If I get baptized, then, then I'm going to heaven, right? If you get baptized by the Spirit, you are. You can go in water all you want. That ain't going to get you there. All these false ways, this false gospel to, to try to just get, make you be religious but never understand and have a relationship with him truth I gave you in there was this I believe more people are damned to hell by religion than anything else and devil thinks you want you to think you can get your you can work your way to heaven I don't care if you were sprinkled as a baby false gospel I don't care if you're the best person ever lived you've done more moral, great moral things given more money than anybody else you know to the cause of Christ hey that won't get you to heaven false gospel I don't care, listen, if your daddy was a preacher, your grandpa was a preacher, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that won't get you to heaven. That's a false gospel. I don't care if you take communion or mass or do more good than bad in your life, if you sow seeds in every ministry you've known. I don't even care if you sincerely believe whatever you believe. Well, as long as you believe and sincere about what you believe, you hear that a lot today, right? Hey, there's nobody more sincere about their beliefs than the Muslims. Are you willing to strap a bunch of bombs to you and go walk in and blow up a place for the cause of Christ? Of course, Christ would never call us to do that, amen? But they certainly are. They sincerely believe what they believe. Sincerity won't do it. You've got to believe the right thing. And you've got to believe on the right person. And his name's Jesus, amen? 
He said, that's awful narrow. That's what the Bible says. He, says. he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Hey, the gospel is this. This is the message you've got to believe. You know, you'll hear it twice today. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the message you've got to be, believe to be saved. None of that other stuff will get you there. Hey, we should do some of that other stuff because we're saved, but not to be saved. But the devil wants to believe, hey, hey you just can't believe. You've got to do something, too. You've you got to be part Savior, too, is what you're saying. He wants you to believe a false gospel. Listen, again, you can go to church every single week. It doesn't bother him a bit. You can serve on every committee that ever existed. It doesn't bother him a bit. If he can keep you from believing on the way, the truth, and the life, and make you believe a false gospel that you can work your way there, he wins. You go to hell. But if you trust in Christ, in Christ alone, Hey, we got the promise of heaven. Amen. Don't believe a false gospel. It's one of his greatest hymn letters. Hey, he'll try to make you think he doesn't exist. He'll, he'll, he'll pervert God's word. He'll, he'll make sin look attractive. What was my other point? Somebody help me. <laughs> he'll try to divide the local church. He's pretty good at that. But here's his greatest one. Make you believe some other way to be saved. A false gospel. And if you're not aware of his devices, if you're not aware of his walls, you'll fall prey to it. And Paul told us, hey, put on the armor of God. He told us in Second, over in Corinthians, hey, don't be ignorant of his devices. Don't follow the walls of the devil. Don't be ignorant of his devices because he wants to get an advantage of you. My, my challenge for you this morning, this Sunday school hour, is simply this. Be filled with the Spirit. And if you're filled with the Spirit, you'll win the war. You'll recognize the enemy. You'll understand he's real. And you'll understand his MO. And he won't take advantage of you. Father, we thank you for our time together in the Word of God this morning. Lord, thank you for this Sunday school hour. Lord, I wish we could finish. There's so much in this text. and Sometimes we read this and we just teach it to kids like it's some little, little cute Sunday school lesson. Lord, this is more for adults than anything written in the Word of God. God, we've got to understand, this. we're in a spiritual battle. It is real, just as real as the devil is, just as real as you are. And Lord, we need to put on the whole armor. We need to not be ignorant to the devices of our enemy. We need to understand he exists. He exists in exactly how he works. So that we can be and stay on the winning side. Thank you for Christ making victory possible for all those that repent and believe in him. Thank you for the word of God that gives us these warnings. Help us heed them now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.